Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 76. Welcome to another Friday, another Parenthood Friday. See, I did not forget to upload this time. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed last week. We This is kind of like a second part to this series. It might even be, it's not a series. It's like a second part to last week's episode. It could potentially even be a third because I'm not quite sure how long it's going to take to get through the stuff I want to get through today because I really want to focus on one thing in particular. So we've been talking about parenting inside the funnel. And uh, I'll do a quick recap on that, but I would highly suggest that for a good basis, you need to go back and listen to last week's episode on that. Um, But I said last week that I wanted to go into three different ways that this can outwork itself in our parenting. I'll see if we get to all three because I really want to focus on one. So let me ask you a couple of questions to get your mind in the zone of where we're going. But have you ever watched a parent give an instruction to a child and then the child just debates them? I will never forget years and years ago when one of my boys was really little, probably like maybe three or four. And every time he had, well, not every time, a couple of times when he had this little friend over to play, I remember the dad said to my son's friend, okay, um, we're going to go home now. And because the child didn't want to go home, the little kid, I'm talking, he would have been three or four, actually slapped his dad in the face. I was mortified. There is no way on God's green earth that one of my kids would have slapped me in the face. Like there would have been hell to pay. But what was even more shocking was the father didn't do anything about it. (laughs) He literally just looked at him and said, don't do that. And then went on. I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, Or, you know, a parent will ask their child to do something and the child flat out just says no. Or I've seen this a million times where you see the parent asking their child to do something and the child literally just ignores them and goes and does their own thing? Or have you ever listened to a parent asking their child what they would like? What would you like to drink, sweetheart? What would you like to eat, sweetheart? Where would you like to sit? What do you want to do? You know, the whole life seems to be a string of questions asking the child what they would like. Or perhaps even more scary, you're listening to this going, oh my gosh, Renee, I think this is me. This is maybe how I parent. So I want to give you some help today and some really practical strategies. And of course, like I always do, is explain to you why this is not a good idea. All of these are a classic result of what we talked about last week, parenting outside of that funnel. So go back and listen to that, but let me just quickly recap what we talked about. So the ideal is to parent inside the funnel, which simply means you grant freedoms at an appropriate pace to your child's development. And the result is a harmony and balance and a respectful child. But the opposite of this is parenting outside the funnel. Now, remember that could happen in one of two ways. 
either you grant too many freedoms that are not age appropriate, and that usually means that you give a freedom that later you have to recall, and that kind of parenting, that causes a lot of confusion. Or the other, uh, the other side of that is you restrict freedoms when the child is more than ready to experience them. And so that causes a lot of frustration. Okay, so that's what we talked about last week, parenting inside the funnel, which is what we want to aim for, and then the different ways that we can parent outside, which leads to either frustration or confusion. So today I wanted to look at three different ways that we could break this down, but I'm pretty sure I'm only going to have time to really talk about one because one of them I consider to be so, so important. So we're going to explore freedoms around decision-making, freedoms that you give your child when it comes to their verbal freedoms and the way that they talk. And then thirdly, physical freedoms. But I have a feeling we'll only get to the first one, but let's see how we go. Okay, now, as parents, we are very protective of our children when it comes to health and safety. Like, that's just a given. We don't let our five-year-olds, for example, help spray weed poison in the garden. We don't let a four-year-old climb a ladder up to the roof. If we did grant these freedoms, our kids might begin to think that their abilities are better than what they actually are. But even though those examples would sound ridiculous to you, like, of course, I'm not going to go letting my four-year-old climb up a ladder by themselves up to the, up to the roof and walk over the roof of the house. And yet that's what happens often when it comes to other freedoms in our child's lives that aren't to do with health and safety we tend to grant freedoms that are way beyond a child's readiness and ability. And what this does, it is, it creates a false impression in their mind, in the child's mind of what they're able to do, what they're able to say, and even where they're able to go. So what happens is we end up with a child who I don't know if you've heard of this saying, they're too big for their boots. I remember my mum used to tell me off, if I was ever cheeky to my mum when I was younger, she would say, don't you get too big for your boots, Renee? Um, Or we might say that that's the child being wise in their own eyes. Or my version would be that's the child becoming rude and obnoxious. So I think I just want to really talk about the first one to start with, which is this whole idea of giving our children freedoms when it comes to decision making. And I want to park most of my time here because this is probably one of the biggest areas that I see and hear parents getting it really, really wrong. And then they wonder why they have trouble with their child when their child becomes a teenager. So this would be one of the strategies, one of the things that I think we need to be aware of that we need to parent well in their younger years to avoid issues when our children become teenagers. So let's have a look at what decision-making freedoms are. What I'm talking about when I say decision-making, it's all about how many choices we give to our kids. So I'm talking about giving them too many choices too early, like, you know, and I I said it at the start, but you know, what would you like to wear today? What would you like for breakfast? What do you feel like doing today? What plate would you like mommy to put your toast on? How would you like your toast cut? What movie would you like to watch? 
do you want to go and see Nana today? And on and on and on. Now, of course, it is good for our kids to learn to make decisions, right? But this again, like anything, it's a skill that needs to be taught in small increments as they can handle it, as they are ready. But for some reason, there seems to be a really strong appeal for us to overwhelm our children with choices, even in more parent-directed homes. And I don't know if perhaps that's because it's something that we've been taught is a good parenting thing to do, to give our child lots of choices uh, so that they learn to make wise decisions in their lives. Perhaps that's where it comes from. But I want us to think a little bit more deeply about um, the result of doing that and giving them too many choices when they're not ready. Of course, we want our kids to learn to make wise choices. I mean, gosh, the world is full of adults making bad choices, but we need to transfer this ability from parent to child slowly as they're ready for it. Otherwise, what happens is we end up with kids who are are obnoxious, who are wise in their own eyes, who are ruling the roost. And that's when we end up that literally with, with children that will do things like make the whole family get out of the white car because they want to ride in the silver one. Now you might be laughing right now, but seriously, believe me, these kinds of things happen all the time. I see them as a teacher, not just a pastor and a parent, but as a teacher, I see these kinds of things where, where a family will literally change the entire family plans to suit one child. So how many of you Uh, make a different meal for one or more of your children? Or if you're not making a whole different meal, how many of you listening out there might make a meal accommodation? Because this one doesn't like this and that one doesn't like that. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. It's like, oh, that's right. Billy doesn't like tomatoes and and Mary doesn't like uh, the mushrooms and this one doesn't like pumpkin. So I'll keep it all off the plate. No, that, that's just a bad way to parent. That's what I want to talk about. So this again is counter-cultural. So those that follow my Leadership Wednesday podcast, you might have heard me speaking about how absolutely crazy the world is getting when it comes to letting our children make decisions that are way, way beyond their ability or their maturity. And one example that I've given recently is that children in the Victorian education system can choose to change their gender. They can choose to identify, yes, with a different gender. And you can go look on the Victoria Education website, if you kind of Google that and their LGBTQ standards, you can read this for yourself or go back and listen to my podcast on it, that as long as the child is mature enough, which by the way, can be as young or even younger than eight, then that child is allowed to identify as a different gender, the school will honor it and the parents do not need to be notified. I kid you not. Now, this is dangerous territory. And despite what we're being told in culture, this is harmful. Because why then 
do children need parents at all? Like, why don't they just all go live on their own and make their own decisions? Why don't we just let them go and drink at that age too? In fact, heck, why don't we give them a license and let them drive a car? If they're allowed to go and choose their gender. Now, of course, this all seems ridiculous, right? Like, but, but is it? Because I'm talking here about something you can go and read yourself on the website in Victoria, on the educational website, that it seems crazy that you can be as young as eight and choose your gender. Like it's like common sense has gone out the window and we have to start taking our parenting back and taking back authority. So to a large degree, parents have been complicit in this slippery slide because too many parents have handed decision-making over to their children when they're not ready. G'day, my name's Emma and I am the founder of Pippin Girl. Do you have a teen girl in your life? Mamas, dads, sisters, aunties, teachers, counsellors, youth workers, we are talking to you. Pippin Girl is a platform and publication passionate about providing fair dinkum, wonderful resources to empower you and that bright young girl in your life as you navigate the beautiful, sometimes hairy, journey to womanhood. We cover anatomy, puberty, health, body image, relationships, but most of all encourage your girl to treasure and take care of that remarkable body of hers. Join us in creating a healthier world for the next generation of girls. Jump on our website, www.pippingirl.com.au to check out our cool, fun and pretty resources or follow us on Instagram to find out more about who we are. Have a good one, lovely, and enjoy the podcast. Like, this didn't happen in Victoria overnight. This has happened slowly and we need to start being vocal about these things. You know, we wonder then why children have a tantrum or... Um, you know, why they become rebellious teenagers at the age of 14. But what is happening more and more is parents are handing over the reins to their children at a younger and younger age. And yes, it starts with what color plate do you want to have breakfast on? That's why I always say, guys, we need to think about the way we parent when they're two, because it's only going to um, have greater consequences when they're 12. So you giving them so many choices at a young age is only going to mean that they're going to want even more autonomy as they get older. But are they ready for it if we haven't taught them wisdom? Let me give you an example. And and this is, guys, you know me, this is not to condemn anyone. I'm just so glad that I learned this stuff when my kids were younger. And I'm so glad that you're listening so that you can take this stuff away. And I'm telling you, it will really change your parenting. So if you can hear yourself in this following little, um, you know, story that I'm going to tell you, then it's not for you to feel bad about it. It's a good thing that you can go, oh my gosh, I need to learn something here about the way that I'm parenting. All right. So let me give you an example. We'll just call her Mary for the sake of, I hope no one's got a child called Mary, but little Mary comes into the kitchen and you're their parent. You're pouring apple juice into the green cup. So Mary might be say six, let's say she's six. Now she reminds you that uh, mum, mummy or daddy, mine is the yellow cup with the smiley face and I would like grape juice please today. Lovely manners, Mary. So you smile and you switch cups and you grab the grape juice, no problem. Then you start to spread some Vegemite on the toast, but Mary says she'd like peanut butter. No worries, you'll have the Vegemite toast and you'll 
put some peanut butter on the other one. After brekkie, you suggest to Mary, oh, sweetheart, would you like to read a story together? So you suggest, why don't you go and get your cat in the hat book? But she goes and grabs When the Wind Changed instead. So you're like, no problem. I can read that book. You pat the chair on your right hand side, but she instead hops up on your left near the cushion. Gosh, what an easy morning, right? No trials, no tantrums, no conflicts. Mary goes to play with her kitchen set. And a little bit later, you're like, hey, sweetheart, it's lunchtime. But she tells you that she's not ready for lunch. So you're like, no worries, sweetheart. So instead, you cut up some lovely, healthy bits and pieces and you put them on a plate next to where she is playing so she can keep playing and eating. An hour later, it's nap time. And Mary decides that she doesn't want a nap today but you insist she refuses. You tell her firmly, no, Mary, it's sleep time. Well, she cracks a wobbly. She has a tantrum. Now, of course, you know she's tired. That's why she's cracking the tanty, but is it? But see, she just never seems to listen to you and you get frustrated. You know, that every time you ask her to do something, you're so accommodating and you've been so good to her all day, and yet this is happening more and more. Why doesn't she just do what you ask? Why do I have this child who won't just obey what I ask them to do? Okay, now you might have seen yourself in that story. It might not be that exact thing, but you might begin to think, okay, light bulbs going on here. Yes, my child pretty much chooses whatever they want to do all day. But let's look at what's happening from Mary's perspective. She's been the one choosing what she wants all day. The cup color, the juice, the toast topping, the book, where she sits, what she plays with, when she eats lunch. Mum's desires are just really suggestions to her. Like why should mum be able to make a decision now when she has done what she's wanted all morning? So what's happened is Mary's become wise in her own eyes. She is running the household and who wants to give over their right to do what they want? Remember, I talked about that last week when we've given a lot of freedoms. It's really hard to recall them. Like, of course, mum knows better that Mary's tired and she needs an afternoon sleep. Probably she's actually younger than six. I said at the start that she was six. Oops, she's probably a bit younger. So what happens is giving too many choices like that to your child, it pushes them outside of the funnel. It pushes your parenting outside of that funnel very quickly. And conflict happens because children cannot handle the power associated with decision-making when they're not ready. In fact, to be honest, they don't even want the power. A, A kid wants to be a kid. And the only way for a kid to be a kid is for a parent to be the parent. In fact, when a parent takes the lead, the child actually feels safer and more secure. I'm going to do a podcast on this too, about how routine and boundaries make children feel safe. And when you parent your child by not giving them too many decisions for what they're ready for, then you are creating a boundary that actually makes them feel safe. So let me ask you this. Do you think that maybe your child, whatever age they are, is addicted to choice? 
So let me tell you one really quick and clear way you can know if you have given your child far too many choices and they're addicted to making all their own decisions. Try this. Watch their reaction when you take the choices away. That will tell you really quickly. So for example, why don't you try it? This is going to be your homework this week. Try giving them juice or water or whatever drink you you choose to give them. Give them a juice in a clear cup. Give them a piece of toast on a plain plate and your choice of cereal in a plain bowl with a silver spoon. Now, let's see if they complain, whinge, throw a tantrum, protest. I cannot tell you how many times I've had kids over my house when my kids were growing up. And I remember time after time after time, they would demand to me what color plate they wanted to have their lunch on, or uh, I don't want my sandwich cut in squares. Can I please have it cut in triangles? Or um, I would like to have the yellow fork, please. And it, my kids literally knew. They would look at me like, oh, heck, here goes mum. Because <laughs> I'd think, really? Like, I taught my children, you do not go to someone's house and demand what color plate, what color fork, what color cup, or how your sandwiches are cut. Like, that is just rude. And again, like I've always said, if you're going to allow that freedom at home, then your child is going to do it when they're out because they're not going to understand the difference. So now if you have a child that throws an absolute tantrum when you take choices away, then you know, okay, I've got a lot of work to do. And it's a really good thing if you can recognize this now, because it's really not that hard to wind it back because now you know, oh my gosh, I know who's running my house. My child is and not me or my husband and myself, whoever's listening. I hope the dads are still listening. So they're addicted to choice and they're clearly not ready for all these decisions. So a child who is addicted to choice cannot emotionally cope when no choice is given. And here are the parents thinking that they're doing their child a favor with all of these freedoms of choice, when in reality, what we're doing is we're setting them up for failure. But if your child can accept without complaint, then guess what? They're actually probably ready to handle a new degree of freedom in decision-making in this area. So ask yourself some of these kinds of questions. Does my child debate me when I tell him to do something? Does he always have a better idea? Does he argue with me? Does my child struggle to submit to my instructions? There's a few questions that you can ask yourself to see how you and your child are doing around this whole decision-making thing, strategy. So this, by the way, it, it look if you can see it, that you are doing your child a favor in the future because this does not prepare him for life. It's doing your child no favor for getting him or her ready for the real world. Your child will not be allowed to choose where they sit when they go to school most of the time. Sometimes teachers allow it, but I can tell you right now, very rarely on the first day will teachers allow children to sit wherever they want. They won't always be able to choose the color paper that the teacher gives them in art. I'm not kidding you guys. I have seen this time and time again. In fact, as a teacher, I do this on purpose because I, I like to know where my kids are at with this with these kinds of decisions. But 
you know, as um, if you're holding a whole heap of Brennick squares and all the teachers are like, amen, yes, Renee, I know exactly what you're saying. When you've got a packet, a 500 packet of Brennick squares in your hand, right? There's about, I can't even remember how many colors, 20 different colors in a packet of Brennick squares. And they're usually in bundles of like 20. And if you've got to stop by 25 different children and ask every single child, sweetie pie, what color would you like? And then they sit there and they usually take a minute or two to decide the perfect color. And then you've got to fossick through and pull that one piece out from the 500 in your hands. I'm telling you, it is not life, people. It is not reality. In reality, what I would do as a teacher, two things, either I would give them um, a, a, a no choice and I would just give them a color square. And I, I'm Honestly, it is the best thing in the world to do this. Some children will complain straight away and I'm like, mm, okay, a bit of character work to do with this child. Other children, I can see in their eyes that they really, really, really want another color, but you know that they've been so well trained by their parents. They won't complain. They won't ask for a different color. They will just say, thank you. And I'm like, God bless those children. Or the other thing I would do is I'd put all the Brennick squares down and then say to them, um, swap with the person next to you if there's another color that they like. But honestly, I'm telling you, just handing out Brennick squares can ruin a teacher's day when you've got 25 children who have all been taught at home, oh, you can have whatever color plate you would like to eat your breakfast on, please, for your teacher's sanity, for your children's future teacher's sanity, please don't do it. And all the teachers said, Yep, I can hear you. Um, you know, their boss, your your child's boss in years to come is not going to ask their opinion on everything in the office. And in fact, you're not even doing society a favor raising an obnoxious adult who always wants their way. Okay, so what can you do? I told you I wouldn't get past this choice one because it's so important. What can you do? What we need to do is just, it's really easy. I'll give you something really easy to walk away with. But firstly, let me just say, you need to narrow the boundaries by taking back ownership of the freedoms that you've given away too early. So just recognizing for starters that you've given too many away is a really great thing. And then um, making the decision that you're going to narrow that by taking back ownership. That's the second step. Uh, What you can do with this is sit your child down and say, hey, mommy and daddy have been letting you make all the decisions, but from now on, we're going to help you make them. So, you know, you're not going to sit there and go, you've been making too many decisions for yourself and I'm going to take away all of your decisions, you know, so just be wise in how you tell them and just let them know, you know, we haven't been fair on you because you've been making all these decisions, but mum and dad are going to help you. And by the way, This is where your first time obedience steps come into play. So remember those steps from a few episodes ago? I think it was the first three parenthood episodes I did. I did those as as the first because they are the number one parenting strategy that I've used my whole kids' lives is um, first time obedience. So this is where those steps come into play. So go back and listen to that. So for example, at breakfast, you might say, hey, Mary, today, mummy is choosing your breakfast and we're going to have cereal today and I need to hear a yes, mummy. Okay. That's first time obedience strategy. Do this for all sorts of decisions all through the day. Um, And it helps your child to find wisdom in your authority, which is going to see you in good stead, by the way, as they grow. 
Now, once your child shows contentment with you making decisions, you know, which, what does that look like? Well, they, they accept them without whinging or complaining. And you can then start having moments in the day when they choose. Now, if your child throws a fit about you making decisions for them, then I'll tell you what to do. Nothing. Do you like that? If your child throws a fit about a decision that you've made, do nothing. Don't budge. Because if you do, you're going to go right back to square one, even though I promise you, you're going to feel so tempted in the moment to fix it. But this helps your child to see that the world doesn't revolve all around me, 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 that you're the one that's got the authority and the wisdom. And what you can do is you can, again, use those first time obedience steps that I talked about back in the first three podcasts to correct their behavior. But what I always did, and this is what I want you to walk away with today, I would always only ever give my children two choices. So sometimes some part of the day I would give them no choices like breakfast or what they were going to wear when they were really little, or you you can decide what that is. But on a lot of things, I gave them no choices. But as they started to get a little bit older, I would always only give them two choices. So if they're going to disobey you and they want to throw a tanty, then I would say, okay, sweetheart, well, you've got two choices. You can either choose to eat the cereal that mummy has put in front of you, or if not, you're choosing to go into timeout. Your choice. Now I'd like to hear a yes, mummy, which normally you don't get because they're still busy crying and having a tanty. What do you do? You stay calm. You don't shout. Don't raise your voice. Just say, I'll say it one more time. These are your two choices. Which one will it be? And remember, we don't count to three. We don't give them three seconds to decide they're going to disobey. Will you eat your breakfast or will you go to timeout? And they're still crying and carrying on. Okay, timeout it is. So you carry them over and you put them in timeout and go back to my podcast at the start on how to do that. So, um, so that's what I would always do, either no choices or two choices. And of course, as they get older, you know, by the time Georgia was 10, I'm not sitting out, setting out two options for clothes. By then she could choose. But when they were younger, it was two and no more. Would you like to wear the dress or would you like to wear the jeans today? So what what's that that's doing is it's giving your child some autonomy. It's It's making them feel like they have some control and it's teaching them to start making decisions but you're not putting a whole wardrobe in front of them. Oh, let's look at your wardrobe with your 55,000 outfits and pick one. That is just destined to end up in arguments, tantrum, tears, and clothes all over the floor. Instead, when they're younger, just pull out two of their beautiful outfits and go, oh, sweetie, the jeans or the dress today. Or would you like to have a sandwich or would you like an egg for lunch? Would you like to play with your kitchen set or with your puzzles? So you're giving them two choices so they still have a little bit of freedom in there. Now, just before I finish, because we've already been nearly half an hour, but can I tell you a real life story here, guys? I just want to give you the perspective of how this can play out in the teenage years if you don't do this, okay? This is a real sad example, but I was involved in a situation a while ago with a teenage boy and his mum. And this teenage boy has been a handful most of his life, but from my pretty close observation, it, it has been due to poor parenting. This kid has been able to make their own decisions their whole life because the parent was always afraid of saying no. 
because there was always huge tantrums. And so this child, this boy is now a teenager and he caused harm to his mum because he wasn't getting his way on something. Now, remember, he's a teenager. He wasn't getting his way on something. So she took something away from him that he wanted. And in trying to get it back, he actually hurt her. Now, she ended up in hospital. And the next day, the doctor said to her, are you going to press charges? Now, she was utterly shocked and beside herself that the doctor would suggest that. So she asked my advice. And I said, well, I think you need to think about his future. Um, You know, what if that was his future wife or his future child? He's got to learn this lesson now. Like, this is pretty serious. So I would use this opportunity to put two, two choices before him. And I said to her, you need to say to your son, you've got two choices, mate. You either see a counselor with me or I'm pressing charges. It's one or the other. Now, her next question showed me yet again that she had never taken charge of his life and he had always ruled the house by making all his own choices. She said to me, what if I can't get him in the car to go to counseling? And I'm like, did you not just hear the two choices I gave? I said, easy. If he does not get in the car, then you let him know, well, then you are choosing for me to press charges. Now, I could tell that this was a whole foreign concept to her, and she was pretty mortified. Um, And as far as I know, yet again, he got away with it, and neither one of those happened. I, I cannot tell you how important it is to train your child's moral heart in this way, because I look at that boy who got away with things time and time and time again, who is now a teenager, who is now getting away with more serious things that are now causing harm to other people. And I worry for his future family, for his future wife or his future children on how, where, you know, where is this going to end? Because no one told him, um, you know, no one took away the choices and led him as a child. And I'm telling you, it does start with making choices for them around breakfast and the color plate and the color knife and fork that they have. It, it does start there because it's not actually about the plate and the fork and the and the knife and the and the juice. It's not about that. It's about your child learning to not be wise in their own eyes, but it's about your child learning to respect authority because you know better than them because you're the adult and they're the child. And children want to be children and they want to be led. So when you start off making choices and then you can slowly allow them to start making more, that is parenting inside the funnel. You're teaching them self-control. You're teaching them respect for others, respect for themselves, respect for authority. They feel secure. They feel safe. Um, Because I'm telling you, there is no way this side of eternity that my son would ever hurt me like that boy did to his mum. But our son hasn't been given too much power before he was ready for it because we were careful to parent inside the funnel. So it's really not fair to ask a child to make decisions that he or she is not ready for. So look, I knew that I'd only get to that one today, but I really felt like that was so important. And I really feel like there are some parents out there listening right now. And, um, you know, maybe you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed and maybe you've seen through listening to this podcast, oh my gosh, I've got some work to do. 
But can, can I encourage you? It's not too late. You know, if your child is still living in your household, it is not too late. And um, I would encourage you, if you've got younger children, to start thinking about um, taking back some of those freedoms for their sake. And uh, so your homework this week is, like I said before, to go and take away some choices for your child and see how they react. And then you know how much work you do or don't have. And meanwhile, feel free to come along and uh, ask me questions on my Instagram. I always try and answer everyone that does. So so come and ask me questions, chat to me there um, because I'm more than happy to help you. Anyway, I hope you have an absolutely wonderful week and I'll see you back next Wednesday for Wednesday's Leadership Podcast. Have a great week. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.com.